Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Our visitors, praise God, thank you for coming today. And I know as many of you as possible will try to go over by Pagan Cough on Tuesday night and support uh, Annie and her family. First Peter chapter four and verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you will be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of. On your part, he is glorified. Notice the emphasis I'm putting this morning on the glory of God. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begins at us, What shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God, suffering can be the will of God, commit to the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. And then the next chapter, two verses, 1 Peter 5 and 10. But the God of all grace who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I believe that some of you are going through some great trials right now. You've got a lot of questions. You believe that because you're a Christian, this shouldn't be. You don't understand what God is doing in your life. And so today, for the next few minutes, I'm here to answer your question as it was relayed by God to me for you. And here's the title of my message. For God's glory and for your good. For God's glory for your good. God bless you. You may be seated. Just a little side note before I I preach to you today. Of course, you know that my mother passed away this past year, and each of us as children received a small inheritance, so um, Sister Kylie and I will be leaving for Israel tomorrow. We'll be gone approximately 11 days. We're gonna get a lot of good pictures, get a lot of good information, bring it back to you. I had a chance to talk to 
Brother and Sister Gerbing before service just a little bit. Maybe someday we could go to Israel together. So when I get back, maybe we'll discuss that and see if any of you would be interested and maybe I can break some ground for you on this trip. But if you have any pastoral needs, we've got a great pastoral staff. Please feel free to call them. Nothing should change by my departure. I remember a preacher getting on a plane one day. He was going to go on a trip. And he said, you know, God, I'm going to be gone for a while now, and you're going to have to take care of things. And God said, who do you think takes care of them when you're there? This isn't my church, this is God's church. He'll take care of things, the mantle is always passed, the anointing is still on. Whether you're a musician or a teacher or a pastor or a minister of any kind, when you're gone, the mantle is passed. So I know we're gonna have great, anointed, powerful services in my absence. Because God is here and God is with us. Now, what I want to talk to you about today is the things that are happening in our life that cause us suffering and confusion, disillusionment, and even disappointment can sometimes be misinterpreted. God is mad at us. God is punishing us. God is putting us through the ringer. And yet the world doesn't get punished. They continue to prosper, they continue to speak evil, they have more than they can want. You need to read the 73rd Psalm. And we get confused by that. I wanna give you a few examples and, and I wanna try and drive this point home to you today. I wanna start with a young man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was the 11th son of 12 sons that Jacob had. Jacob had two wives. He had chosen Rachel, whom he had worked for for 20 years, but he had Leah because Laban had tricked him. So he had married Leah and she had 10 boys before Rachel ever had one. Rachel only had two sons. Joseph and Benjamin. Now, Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. I can't imagine what it would be like to be married to two women, how difficult that would be to make them both happy and to try and be equal in your approach. But it does state in the scripture that he loved Rachel more, and maybe that's why, or one of the reasons, that Joseph was the favorite son of Jacob. But put yourself in Jake or Joseph's position here just for a few minutes today. He has had these dreams and visions which he has shared with his family and they have hated him. His brothers already hate him as the favorite son. He's, he's 11th on the list. All the others should be treated better. And so they eventually, they sell him as a slave and his life just continues to spiral downward and downward and downward for approximately the same 20 years. If you were Joseph, would the thought ever cross your mind 
as you were sold into slavery. I didn't ask for this. This isn't what I signed up for. If God is really with me, then how come even my family is against me? It seems that everywhere I turn, in spite of trying to do good, I just spiral downward. First I'm a slave, and, and, and then I'm framed for rape, and I'm, I'm thrown into prison, and I'm treated disrespectfully. I haven't done anything wrong. I've, I've tried to do everything that would be pleasing to God, but why me, God? And I would like to remind you, God, that that you gave me promises of one day ruling. And here I am. You see, sometimes we think that when we read these characters in the Bible, that it's just a history lesson. I don't believe that. I believe that they're in there so that we can learn something from them. We might go through just a bit of what they go through. And we need to remember how they handled the situation, right or wrong so that hopefully we can handle it correctly. But Joseph's life was not what he expected nor what he wanted. And then in the very end, when he gets a chance to pay back the 10 brothers, he does not pay them back according to what they deserve. And I wanna read to you what he says to them when he reveals that he was sent before them. Genesis 45, when they finally come to him and they're begged for food on several times, he says, 45 and 4, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years left in which there will be neither earing nor harvest. And God, it was God that sent me before you to preserve you a prosperity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but it was God, and he made me a father to Pharaoh and lord over his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. All that I went through was for God's glory and for our good. Because even today, on November the 30th, 2014, we're still talking about Joseph. We're still bragging about what God did with a boy's life. We're able to acknowledge that he didn't pay back evil for good. He was able to recognize that what had happened in his life was for God's glory. And ultimately and secondarily for his own good. And how could we ever forget a man by the name of Job. Let me give you his description. Job 1 and 1, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, a man that was perfect, 
and upright and one that feared God and eschewed or hated evil. Why would you pick on a guy like this? Why wouldn't you just brag about how good he is? I mean, that's high praise to call a man perfect, perfect. But God says, I'm gonna get more glory from this man's life and then I'm gonna do him good. He'd already been doing him good. He was one of the wealthiest men on earth, had a great family, had a great prayer life, got up every morning and prayed for his kids, concerned that maybe they'd fall. How many of you are praying for your kids? You'll never stop praying for your kids. They'll become grandkids, and you'll pray for them. But we need to be as Job was. Perhaps my children have sinned, and he built a hedge of protection around his family through his prayer life. A man who was perfect. And yet, God brought glory through Job's life through the sufferings and the losses that he endured. God bragged on Job to Satan. And Satan said, well, the only reason that he loves you and respects you and lives the way that he lives is because you've blessed him and because you've protected him. But you take away the blessing that you've placed on this man's life and he will curse you to your face. And God said, really? I'll tell you what, Satan. You can take it all from him. But don't you touch him. And Satan rubbed his hands together and said, watch this. And he lit out after Job because he had God's permission. Listen, God doesn't cause everything that happens to us. But if we are truly Christians, he allows things to happen to us. And Satan was the cause. And he came and began to kill Job's family. His family died. He lost all of his wealth. All in one day, it was all gone in just one day. Even Job's wife would not stand with him. Say, well, I'm trying to live for God and my wife's not. Keep standing, keep persevering. There's a sanctification that comes to the unbelieving wife or the unbelieving husband. Can I get an amen? If you have to walk alone, if your spouse doesn't understand, Keep on doing what is right. And if you've got a wife that will stand with you or a husband that will stand with you and support you in your trial or in your suffering, rejoice. It's one more ally. I am so thankful. I could never say it enough. I am so thankful for the wife that I have who has stood by me through all the trials and difficulty. Never wavered. Never had a discouraging word. She is the exact opposite of Job's wife. And if you got one like that, 
you better keep praying for them and loving on them. Can I get an amen? But that wasn't enough. Then Satan came back and said, well, I guess I have to admit I was wrong. Taking all his wealth, taking his loved ones except for his wife, but you allow me to touch his flesh, and he'll curse you. God said, all right, but you can't kill him. And Then the afflictions came on Job's body. Why, God? But he never said it. He never uttered it. He never said, why me, God? When, God? He said, I brought nothing into this world. I will take nothing out of this world. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can I tell you something, folks? Everything you've got, you got because God has blessed you with it, and he has every right at any moment to take it all back if he wants to. Why would he do that? For his own glory and for your good. No, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about, man. What good is that? You'll see. You'll see. And all of this, Job never cursed God nor charged God foolishly. All of his friends even turned against him and said, you know why this is happening to you, Job? And he said, no, quite frankly, I don't. Why don't you tell me? Because you've sinned privately. You thought nobody knew about it, but God knew about it. Now it's been revealed, and now you're going to pay. We better be real careful, folks, about how we pass judgment on other people's lives. How we say, oh, this is why it's happened to you, and you brought this on yourself. We should bear one another's burdens. We should pray one for another. We should encourage one another in the name of the Lord. We should weep with those that weep, and we should rejoice with those that rejoice. We should not judge another man's servant. But they did. He had nobody, no human being that stood with him. And eventually, when the trial came to a head, it says in Job 42 and 10 that the Lord finally turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Pray for his friends. Sounds like Joseph, doesn't it? Hey, guys, don't feel bad about what you did to me. I haven't been home in 20 years, or 15 rather. I got five years left in this famine, but I haven't been home for 15 years and I've been through great hardship and it's all your fault. No, he said, hey, don't worry about it. Don't feel bad about it. And now Job. Job, look what Job does. He prayed for his friends. And because of that, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all that had been of acquaintance before and they did eat bread with him in his house and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning 
And then all these animals are doubled. And then he had also seven sons and three daughters. And then in verse 16 it says, and after this lived Job 140 years, and he saw his sons and his sons' sons, even to four generations. And when Job died, he was old, but he was still full of days. Everything that Job had was now twice as much. You say, wow, that's a good story. I want twice as much. You're missing the point. The point is that what he went through was for God's glory. It was an embarrassment to Satan that he unleashed all he could against God's man and still failed. And God received the glory and Job received the good. Do you know why God chose 140 years from the point of the finish of the trial? Because the days of a man at an average are to be 70. And if you're gonna give twice as much, that's 140. 140 on top of what he'd already lived. For God's glory and for your good. Or how about the blind man? John 9, Jesus passed by, saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. Whoa. Let me make sure I understand this. This man was born blind for one reason. So that one day, Jesus would come to his life and heal him of his blindness. He had to live with blindness. Some say he was 40 years old. 40 years of blindness. Why? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? No. Why? For God's glory. Wow. The things that are happening in your life are a part of God's will for your life. And we know, Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for good. It does not say all things are good. They work together for good. To those that love God and are the called according to his purpose, not our purpose. We have to understand this scripture. Anything from the time that you completely give your life to God and you are the redeemed of God, anything that happens in your life is a part of the will of God. God has either brought it or allowed it in your life for his glory and for your good. So I made bad choices. God will work through that too. God will work through the stink he worked through the stink of Lazarus. He'll work through your stink. Yeah, you're gonna make mistakes. Anybody here ever make a mistake after they were born again? I should sit on my hind end and lift my legs up too. I, I've made so many mistakes. 
But you know what? When you realize that you've made a mistake, confess it to God. Acknowledge it. Repent. Humble yourself before God. Learn from this event in your life. And then God can receive the glory and you will be better for it. That the works of God might be manifest in him. Or how about Lazarus? John 11 and four. This sickness is not unto death. He said, Lazarus is sick and he's dying. Jesus said, no it's not. It's for the glory of God. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now to be sure that you understand what he just said, he made sure that this fifth verse was in there too. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister Mary and he loved Lazarus. Do not ever forget verse five. When you're going through what I'm talking about, now Jesus loves you. Put your own name in there. Well, if he loves me, how come I'm sick? If he loves me, how come I'm struggling? If he loves me, how come I don't have more? If he loves me, how come he doesn't use me more? He'll reveal that to you. When he heard thereof that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. The average person, when he loves somebody, would say, that's it, I'm leaving right now. They'd pack a small bag, jump in their car, and run to the aid of somebody else. But he knew exactly what was going on with Lazarus. He knew exactly when Lazarus would die. He knew it was for the glory of God. And so he said, we're just going to hang out a couple more days. Well, what are we going to do? I don't know, nothing important. But we have to hold back. We can't go just yet. The plan has not reached the point where I need to appear on the scene. Is anybody hearing me today? Because this is what God's doing in your life. And you're saying, where is he? I called for him. He's still aboding. And you tell me he loves me. And I don't understand what's happening. And I'm trying to do the right thing. What's this all about? God's timing. God's positioning for the purpose that we talked about. But he does things in his time and not in our time. He sees the end from the beginning. We only see the present and the past. And then he comes and he that was dead, verse 44, came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound with a napkin and Jesus said, loose him and let him go. One last example. Let me read to you from Exodus chapter 33. See, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. 
How many of you would like to see the glory of God? Well, this suffering and this trial that you're going through, that's what's going to bring it on. Exodus 33 and 18. I beseech thee, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy on whom I'll show mercy. Don't tell me how to do what I know is best. Don't tell me who I should favor and who I should be harsh on. I'll show goodness to whom I want to show goodness to and mercy to whom I want to show mercy to. Don't tell me how to do my job. Is there anybody here that thinks they're qualified to be God? Nobody fell asleep. I didn't see one hand. There's two things I heard a, I heard a priest say this one time. There's two things I know. I know there is a God, and I know I'm not him. So if you are not God, let God be God. And then he says, you will not be able to see my face. No man will see my face and live. There's another answer to your prayer. But he said, there is a rock, there's a place by me, and you will stand upon a rock. Aren't you glad to know that there's room next to Jesus for you? There is a place by me. Boy, that's a message in itself. Somebody's gonna preach that message. There's a place by me, and you will stand upon a rock. And then he says... It will come to pass while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cliff of a rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And then I'm going to take away my hand and you will see my back parts but my face will not be seen. Here's Brother Kylie's interpretation of this. If you don't like it, Come up with your own. I'm going to put you in the cliff of a rock, and I'm going to cause you to stand right there. And I'm going to cause all of my glory to pass by you. But, but, but while the glory is passing by you, I'm going to shield you with my hand, because you can't see my face, nor my glory in its entirety, and live so I will shield you. And then when I get by you, once my glory is past, you will look and you will only see what I have done. You will not be able to see how I did it. That's where you and I are today. We're asking for the glory of God. And it's passing by us. 
and we don't get to see it until it's beyond us. And then we say, oh yeah, now I get it. Now I understand. Let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit about me so that maybe it helps you. Before I came to know the Lord and I was Lord of my own life and made all my own decisions, I made a lot of really bad ones. Anybody relate to that? And finally, at the age of 22 years old, after I stopped going to church because I was so bored out of my mind, I went into my bedroom one day and said, Lord, I knelt by my bed, and I said, Lord, if you're real, and if you will help me, with all of these problems, and I laid them all out nice and neat and tidy for him, then I'll serve you, and I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Whatever. But right now, I need your help. And you know what God did? He said, okay. And he put me in a rock, in a cliff of a rock, and he covered me with his hand, and he began to work out all my problems. And I never, never saw how he did it. I never saw the guy that he woke up one night and said, be merciful to Rick Kiley and forgive his debt. I never saw the guy that God talked to when I should have been activated and sent to Vietnam and how God moved on him and said, let him go. I never saw how God put my marriage back together. I never saw the favor that he brought to my life in other people's lives or, or how he woke one guy up and said, tomorrow I'm gonna use you to speak to Rick Kiley. Never saw any of it. But I did see, now that I can see the aftermath of God's glory, now that it's waved by me again, how God got glory through Rick Kiley's life and made things good for Rick Kiley. I didn't see it when I was going through it. All of these examples here that I've given you today fit you and I. We don't get it. It's beyond our imagination. But it is for God's glory. And it is for God's good that he allows at a minimum or even causes these things to happen in our life. And these things should bring us to a place right next to God where we say, God, I don't understand, I don't have control, I don't have ability, but I believe that what I'm going through will bring you glory and will be for my good. So I come to this altar today and I acknowledge my need and I cry out for your mercy because you said you'd show mercy on whom you chose to show mercy. And I need mercy. I don't need understanding. 
I need faith. Let's stand together. I could preach for several more minutes, but you know what? I would preach beyond my anointing because God is drawing people to an altar today. He's given you enough answers to the questions that you've had that it's time for you to respond and put your toes against the altar and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm gonna believe that this is for your glory and it's for my good and I'm gonna trust you. Though he slay me, Job said, yet will I trust him. Jesus, by your spirit today, draw people to this altar for your glory and for their good. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.